ladies and gents, Christian Stanfield here in Memphis, Tennessee, joined this evening once again by my wife, the lovely and talented Miss Sierra Victoria. And I want to give a, a shout out to my friends Aubrey Loveless, John Salinas, and Danielle Renee, who are in Houston, Texas, doing this podcast. And as a special shout out, we're just going to do a little snippet. We're going to sing a little song for them right now. Wow, thank you so much, Kristen Stanfield and Miss Vera Victoria, for their lovely song. It really made my evening, so I had to stop what I was doing and record this intro just to thank them from the bottom of my heart. Like I mentioned before, they are in this amazing band, the Side Street Steppers, and they've had a lot of their gigs canceled recently, so go support them at SideStreetSteppers.com. Christian has been playing great tunes almost every night on his Facebook page, and it's been a pleasure to listen to. On the last video, they played this little ditty for us, along with a song called Hard Times Come Again No More by Stephen Foster. And to be honest, it made me tear up a bit. I enjoyed it so much that I asked Christian if we could include it at the end of the episode as a little treat for y'all, and he agreed. So after the outro, stick around for that great song, and please go check out the Side Street Steppers. Thanks so, so, so much for the shout-out, you damn guy and gal. We love y'all. Like I said last week, this episode you're about to listen to was pre-recorded on March 6th, which just feels like a million years ago at this point. So we don't reference any current events, which may be a welcome listening experience for you all. For next week, I think we'll be recording an all-listener feedback episode, and we'd love to hear from all you guys. How are you doing? How are you spending your time? What comics are you reading? We'd love to hear all about it and regroup with our listeners, so send us some feedback this week. I also want to thank all the book club members who have been checking in with me throughout the week. It's so amazing all the friendships that I've made and continue to make throughout this show. I feel so much support and love through these difficult times from all of y'all. Don't forget to check out our pal Ross Radke and his Kickstarter Stomped, which as of this recording is less than $400 from meeting his goal. If 20 of you damn guys pledge 20 bucks, he can make his amazing comic book dream come true. So let's support our friends if you can. Stay safe, everyone. Let us know if you need anything, and we'll get through this together. Now back to a time when we weren't so worried about all this stuff. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Hellboy Book Club. My name is John Salinas, and I'm here with... Aubrey Loveless. Danielle. Matt Schreckbein. And Mark Tweedell. Matt and Mark, you're back again. The gang's all here. The gang's all here, yeah. Thank you guys so much for joining us again for this episode. We're all Hellboy podcast. We're reading all the Hellboy stories, and we're pretty deep into it now. We also engage with all our listeners regularly, but not on this episode. But still, Danielle's going to tell you all about it. I'm going to tell you about the book club. Here's what you do. We're, you're going to listen. We're going to read a story, and we're going to talk about it, and you're going to listen to it, and then you're going to talk about it because you send us a hey damn guys. That's email or social media, and then 
we're going to tell you what you're going to read next time. And then that's a book club. That's friendship. Back to you, John. Ah, thank you so much. Yeah. So unfortunately, we don't have any listener feedback this week, but that's okay because we have a huge episode for you. We're going to finish our end of days discussion. And I'm so glad to have Matt and Mark back on the episode again. You guys are so awesome. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I'm having too much fun. This is amazing. I'm just happy to talk about this book. Yeah, awesome. Thank you so much, guys. I really appreciate you guys hanging out with us for another week in a row. And like I said, this week we're going to be talking about the second part of BPRD, Hell on Earth, End of Days. This is a five-issue arc, and today we're going to be discussing issues four and five, which were published from December 2015 to January 2016 as BPRD Hell on Earth issues 138 and 139, written by Mignola and Arcudi, cover and interior art by Lawrence Campbell, colors by Dave Stewart, and letters by Clem Robbins. And I just want to talk about this cover to End of Days Chapter 4. This is a direct parallel to the cover of Lightning War Issue 3, which was also done by Lawrence Campbell. Did you guys catch that? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Holy shit, yeah. Side-by-side comparison is going to be neat. Yes, I'll I'll have to post that this week for sure. This is one of those ones where the original cover was just so striking. I think um, I may have even interviewed um, Lawrence Campbell around that time talking about his cover designs. And um, and then, so to come to this one and see that, it was just like, oh, I love you referencing yourself. That's great. Yeah, he's referencing his own cover. That is so awesome. At the end of the last episode, the Black Flame had returned. He destroyed all the ships, including McWerther's ship, and he was confronting Liz on the dock. We open on McWerther's ship. It's totally destroyed in the water, the Victorian submarine. Just amazing work by Lawrence Campbell. I've talked about this so much, but it's it's so detailed, and this does not look like it would be an easy thing to draw, right? This yeah. wrecked Victorian ship. Oh, man. Just the amount of work in so there. So I want you to draw... Uh, submarine, but it's like a Victorian era submarine, and then you gotta draw it when it's all wrecked up. Okay, yeah. go. Like, jeez, man. And he, he can draw anything. Yeah, yes. He really can. They're pushing his limits, but I'm not sure he has anyone. Right, you know? yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've really been enjoying his artwork. I mean, every time he pops up on the books, I'm like, oh, I'm so excited. Yeah. And we see Johan down there, so we know after the big explosion, Liz ended up on the dock, Here we see Johan down below with the submarine, and he asks himself how he ended up here. He's on the seafloor, emerging from the rubble. He was a simple man in Heidelberg, and now he's whatever this thing is. And I just want to mention Heidelberg is a town on the Neckar River in southwestern Germany. It is known for Heidelberg University, founded in the 14th century. Is it a man, Johan asks himself? No, it can't be. Not anymore. Not even so much a man as that poor creature. And we see McWerther, his suit has broken open, and he floats out of the suit, but he's still tethered by the wires. It's such a striking image, though. The colors as the light from the suit is shining up on him, hanging there. It's so amazing. Like, it just really captivated me. I had to just look at that for a little bit. It's also just such a a stark image when you think about like how much of their hopes they rested on that guy and now it's all gone yeah you're right yeah and he he looks like one of those tragic souls that he was taking advantage of oh right Mm -hmm. wow what's what a great parallel thank you for that matt 
It serves him right. <laughs> it does. It does. I mean, fuck that guy. Yeah. On the next page, uh, there's this amazing double splash page, and Johan has this amazing Spider-Man moment where he lifts up the submarine on his back and he pushes it out of the water. If he were a man, he'd be dead. Stop weeping for yourself, Johan. If you cannot be weak, be strong. And we see the sledgehammer armor just shoot up out of the water. It reminds me of how Redding burst out of the barracks or whatever in that flashback on um, Modern Modern Prometheus. Thank you, Aubrey. And we see Johan burst out of the water behind the black flame. I love this image. It's so kinetic as he bursts out of there. We're picking up right where we left off where the black flame was coming down and confronting Liz. And the black flame sees Johan and he goes, damn me. (laughs) I thought that was such a funny expletive right there or whatever. Damn me, what are you? The black flame asks, another survivor? Stronger than I, and Johan just interrupts him and just blasts him from behind with so much vril, and it sends the black flame flying through a building, and then we see the building crumble on top of him. That is so awesome. You're just like, you get a little bit of excitement or hope at that little interaction. Oh, yeah. Johan tends to Liz. Forget me, she says, still coughing and catching her breath. The flame, not over. Johan says he'll worry about him in a moment. Worry about him now, Liz says. Bahoom! Johan is blown aside by this black energy. And I love this effect on the panel where it's just black and white. Yeah, that is so oh, cool. Yeah. Think about this for a second. McWhorter's gone now, but how many different people are there or characters are there in this series trapped in some sort of a jar or right. a can? Yeah. Mm. Right, like right. even the black flame was grown in a in a lap. Yeah, right? yeah. Ned's body was in like a jar for a while. Mm-hmm. I, I just mm-hmm. think that's unique. That all it's like you're either out in the world or you're somehow trapped. Right. Yeah. Being kept alive. Really weird. Just occurred to me because the black flame. You know, it's like here's Sledgehammer. Yay, he's the good guy, but eh, it's still the tragic figure. Yeah, no, it is. You're right. Over at the BPRD headquarters, O'Donnell is still sleeping. Panya's trying to figure out who left that note, and she suspects him. Wake up, you tottery crank, she says. Did you pin this on my door? You must have. Who else traffics in these obscurities? What does it mean? Damn it, rouse yourself. I love love all that. I love everything that she says. It's so great. And I love getting O'Donnell and Panya and Howard's all together. Like, these are the (laughs) uh, character interactions that I want. You've been waiting for this. I have been waiting for this for so long. I'm going to have to say, I was a little little disappointed in Panya to think that it was uh, O'Donnell and, you know, not to think about that Howard's would have done that. Right, yeah. Well, she's more used to O'Donnell spouting this stuff. See, I like that that's her yeah. first inclination because yeah. that is, that's, that's you know, she's thinking through it. She's like, okay, well, maybe it's this guy. Let's check this out. Right, right. Just investigate, and I think that's cool. And Doris comes in. They just got O'Donnell to sleep after being up for days. Get out of here, she says <laughs> to Maya. Get out of here. Yes, the world is shaking to bits, but let the old boy sleep, Panya says as she wheels away. (laughs) I love our little comments. Her attitude is so good in this book. We cut over to Kate and Leopold Kurtz. Remember that old Project Ragnarok goon that Howard's caught in Reign of the Black Flame? 
You'd better talk, little man, Kate says. It's been three squares and a bet on us since you got here, and we've got nothing from you. I totally forgot about this guy. Like, I totally forgot <laughs> yeah. they had him there until then. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess they've had him, like, all this time. I just lost contact with our ships in the Hudson River. The Black Flame, your boss, is killing my men again. And so, Kurt says, what could I know that would be of help to you? Herr Marsden, he was a man who knew things, but you killed him. Isn't that what you said? The Flame and he were close. You have to understand, very, very close. Yeah, that's really sweet. Listen, Kate says, if there's someone there in Manhattan, anyone, then maybe our psychic could reach out. Marsden had an associate. Her name, I don't recall, Kurt says. But I doubt she'd be of much help anyway. And I love this, too, because we are he's talking about Evelyn, and then we cut over yeah. to Evelyn yeah. right then. And she's with some Zinko guards in front of the Marsden statue. And I love how she's got the flowers. She was about to leave the flowers. Yeah. That little detail, like, we know what all this means. We've already been... Yeah. I just love how they come back to stuff like that. They're watching all the lightning in the sky from the black flame fighting Johan. They ask her what to do, and she has this moment where she doesn't say anything. They ask if they should go help defend the harbor. She drops the flowers. No, we don't fight. Execute an evacuation, she orders them, to get everyone underground now. So while all this is happening, just uh, remember that Abe's probably having a conversation with Alice. Oh, yeah. wow. Good one. Oh, wow. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that is so crazy to think about. You're blowing my mind over here, Mark. (laughs) (laughs) What timeline is this? It's like your own personal internal timeline going. That's so cool. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's why he's helping us put together the reading order. You couldn't ask for someone better to help Uh, us with this, right? Tell me about it. No, you couldn't. I I personally don't have that kind of bandwidth. I feel like the more (laughs) info... I take in the more seeps out somehow. That's why, you know, <laughs> it's so funny. It's like I'm, I can't tell you how many times I read Hell Notes or like a review just to figure out like, you know, research for our episode. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I do too. Like having the guy right here. It's amazing. That's so good. <laughs> Over with the black flame and Johan fighting in the sky. I hate this page. <laughs> I hate it so much. Yeah, so the Black Flame, he's spouting all his arrogant stuff again. He calls Johan a worried fat beetle. You are in the furnace. Are you afraid, he asks. Don't pull away, beetle. Your stinger's still in my flesh. Pull away, and it will drag the guts from you. And he punches Johan aside, and we see Johan go flying all the way into the city. Beetles don't have stingers, dude. (laughs) (laughs) I fucking hate this panel. I fucking hate looking at it. Where his maw oh, is just like growing real big. God. They do this a couple times where his mouth is just like stretching out. It is really uh, gruesome and just the like... The ability of this artist to make me feel so much abject revulsion. <laughs> it, that's tr- it's truly skill. It takes skill to make me feel such a fucking harsh reaction at just one panel. But I'm like, nope, not looking at yeah. that. I think it's just a nice visual, though, to to kind of uh, back up a theme where he's drawing on the power of life, literally consuming it, and of course he has a big mouth. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, right. No, it's yeah. great art. Obviously, it's inc- it's you know it's awesome storytelling. But like the fact that it makes the, your skin crawl. The fact that I had a reaction to it. It's a testament it, yeah, to the artist. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So. 
Go back to hell, Bonesy, Liz says, <laughs> as she throws her fire at him. I'm sorry. She needs to work on that comeback. I know. <laughs> it's, a little, it's a little lacking. But the black flame, he doesn't even turn around to look at her. He just blasts some black fire behind him, and it throws her all the way backwards. We are not finished, the black flame says as he walks away. You're still alive. I still feel the ache of your leaking soul, and we are not finished. All of a sudden, he gets blasted in the air again with the Vril energy. No, not finished yet, but very, very soon we will be. And so Johan is flying at him in the sledgehammer armor. But right when he gets up to him, the black flame turns around and he grabs him by the neck. No, Beetle. Not too soon. And he throws Johan into the ground, and then he flies towards him and just starts beating the shit out of him. And this reminded me a lot of pacing from Lightning War, where the old Black Flame Mm. is fighting the Sledgehammer armor. There's a lot of the same kind of fight beats, I guess. This is just more of the stuff you hate about this guy. He is undeniably a terrific villain. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But, like, somebody shut this guy up. (laughs) That's my number one reaction. Yes. It's like, if he were in the room, I'd be like, I'm leaving the room. (laughs) The most annoying asshole on the planet. And he's ruining everything. Can you imagine how many socks you would have to shove in that gigantic mouth? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We cut over to Panya. She's back with Phoenix. She tells her they've lost contact with Liz and Johan. I like how Ponya's still talking to Phoenix. Well, and I like this little... She's like unresponsive, but I'm she's sorry still... I had to leave you, but I'm here now. Yeah, she's, yeah, yeah, yeah. She tells her they've lost contact with Liz and Johan. Kate learned about Evelyn from Leopold. Maybe she might know something. If they can just reach out to her, we can help. Ponya takes Phoenix's hand and enters her mind's eye again. And is just confronted by this giant black flame towering over her. He's like squatting over her. Ugh. And he says, no hope. She's holding his hand the way she was holding um, His finger. Hand. Yeah. One of his fingers. Yeah. Is become, like, yeah. Oh, God, that's that. so cool. You thought that I didn't know. You thought you could use me, my connection to the all, to fix your life. Because you thought I didn't know. I knew you were here from the start, and that little girl is already a part of me. It's not over yet, Ponya says. You wouldn't be here trying to scare me if it were. Aha! And then he just screams at her. He just, like, gets in her face. Creature of the old, your time is gone. Welcome to oblivion. No! And we just focus in on that maw again. Oh, no. It is so disgusting. And then this reaction shot of Panya is so powerful. You know what I mean? The way that Lawrence Campbell draws her in that panel is really affecting. Yeah. He draws Panya in shadow and silhouette a lot. Yeah. So to have that head on, eyes wide open look is really, I mean, that's got to tell you something. Yeah. Yeah. We don't see that a lot. And I don't know. For what it's worth, there are fewer Get Well Soon cards on that table. Oh, (laughs) you're right. Why would they even remove them? I don't know. Oh, that is a good point. Annoying. (laughs) Maybe maybe when the nurses came to clean up, they took all that stuff or something. I don't know. I hate that. Jerk nurses. (laughs) That's why Ponya was so mad at them. Even that, though, shows the effort that the artist is willing to go through to, to show the despair here in the 11th hour right you right. know and then this next panel here she's 
At first, I'm wondering, she says, Lord, why? I'm like, who the fuck is she talking to? Because she's um, pagan. Who she's talking about? She's talking about the shaman. Right. Okay. That's who she's referring to specifically. Well, she says, Lord, why? Why won't you help us? Is this really what you want? If you aren't there, if you've left us, it's impossible. No, Tiny Mouse, a voice says, not impossible. And we see Sean Shen. Yeah. We see one of these shamans standing there. And so when I got to yes. this panel, I was like, Hell what yeah. the fuck is going yes. on? Like, I am, I yeah. love these moments where you're just like, I have no idea what's about to happen. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, yeah, it, totally. it's like all the different threads are starting to come together. Yes, man. Yeah, yeah. It really feels like we are, just like Ryan said in the last episode, we're heading towards the end. We can feel it, right? We can feel the momentum building. I'm all about it. Back with the Black Flame, he's totally beat the crap out of Johan, and he picks up the battered armor, again, similar to his gesturing in Lightning War, he did the same thing. He calls him a tiny German ghost in silly knight's armor. Is this how you imagine the great rescue? And he continues to talk shit, eventually biting into Johan's armored neck like a vampire. I'll suck out the fumes of that soul. I breathe in an abomination. I breathe out ecstasy. This guy sucks. And we cut over to the cosmic realm. Yes. Beautiful. Just like we saw in Sledgehammer. Amazing. And Johan's all curled up there in a ball crying. I don't want to die. I don't want to die, he repeats. It's not so bad, Johan. Dying. We see Redding, and he puts his hand on Johan's shoulder. I feel like Johan could have been curled up in a ball saying, Sledgehammer's not here right now. Please leave a message on Sledgehammer. He'll get back to you soon. <laughs> But I also like like the the three dots or the three eyes on the armor. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean in there? And I just like the look of the cosmic realm because I don't think we've seen it this colorful before. And there's like it's a so planet in beautiful. there and something. It's like every time we see it, they've added more or they've enriched it more where it's just becoming another environment that we go into in this series. Um, back in modern Prometheus, they showed like the... Um, the great over the mouth piece. Right. Yeah. Instead of the eyes. Instead I of the that eyes. Was cool. Yeah. They just they want you to know you're in you are in that suit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I like uh I like the tears in Johan's eyes. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean that's it's it's showing the real fear of death. He, like earlier he said he was like not even a man anymore. Right. And now he's like he's like, I don't want to die, I don't want to die, I don't yeah. want to die. Like, you can see the, the tears of fear in him and then, then when Redding shows up, he he just kinda of sort of looks up and he, the tears kinda of stop and it's just like, Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good job, Aubrey. There's one thing I wanted to point out about the art um, on the previous page. It's just a small detail, but I think um you can see Lawrence Campbell's fingerprint on um the inner thigh of uh the sledgehammer armor. Oh, you can see a fingerprint. That is so wild. Look at oh, that. Wow. Oh, a smudge. Oh, that is cool. Come on. That is so cool. That is good eye there, Mark. That is so cool. I love that. Did you just I just love that? catching things like that in the art. Um, I think I saw it the last time I read it and I was like trying to find it this time because I couldn't remember what page it was on. Uh. I'm always going to look for that now. <laughs> <laughs> Back in the real world, the black flame has bitten open the armor, and we see Johan's ectoplasm shooting out. Yeah. Suddenly, the black flame is engulfed in just a panel of fire. Yeah. He's just a silhouette on the background. 
Liz hovers above. I remember what you said about every life on Manhattan giving you strength. And this is something that he said back in BPRD Reign of the Black Flame. My strength, the Black Flame ass? You are my strength, he says to Liz, and he gets up. Your power, the Broken Beetle's power, my fuel. And Liz drops out of the sky. I am not as you remember me, daughter. Not the servant of the seven who are one. I am the seven. I am the one. I am not theirs. They are mine. I change. I grow. You do not. And we just see like he shoots Liz over. We don't see the actual action, but we just see this impact of black fire. And then we just see like this light of Liz like flying through over the. And again, this is where Lawrence Campbell pulls all the way out. So little. Yeah, really. We also get a nice illustration of the Ogdra Jihad behind the Black Flame talking. One of the cocoons is broken open, just like we saw in issue one. And so you die. And we get this one panel of Liz just falling into the water. And as she's falling, the cross that she wears around her neck on that choker, it falls off of her and it's floating upwards. These underwater panels are so good. It's amazing, yeah. yeah. Just like that panel with McWerther coming out of the suit. There's something... It slows you down a little bit, and it just really impacts you so much when you see something like this. So put this page side by side with the page from several issues back where she's diving off the helicarrier. Oh, Remember? Oh, yeah. And they zoom in on her face, and then you see where she's going. Like, she's still, she's, she, it's just different circumstances, but the contrast is powerful. Yeah. Over in Argent, Kansas, we see the enormous Ogdru Jihad looming over the SSS helicarrier. Anton tells Yosef that they've evacuated the people and saved many lives. Now he's like, yeah, see, I listened to you. (laughs) Yosef agrees, but says they've had bad luck in New York. Anton says, tomorrow's another day. He once had a professor who said, there are no problems, only solutions. Hey, Anton, was your professor John Lennon from the Beatles? Because that's who is coined with saying that phrase. Or maybe his professor was just a Beatles fan. Yeah. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) Well, your professor never saw what we're seeing, Yosef responds. Evil as big and as black as the universe falling on us in mountain-sized gobs. I love that phrasing. I just love that description by Yosef. Oh, yeah. Now, today... There are no solutions, only problems. And again, Yosef is thinking of Vavara. Or is she thinking of him? Uh, Mm. They're thinking of each other. (laughs) (laughs) Chapter 5. And so this cover, they talk about this a little bit in the sketchbook. It's just a skull against fire. But it was supposed to be ambiguous. Like, you don't know what you're looking at. Is this Johan's skull? Is this Liz's skull? Like, you don't know. You know what I mean? It's supposed to, like, kind of tease you or... They talk about it a little bit more in the sketchbook, and we can check that out after we're done. So I I bought this episode or this issue digitally as soon as I could, which I think is, like, 8 a.m. out here <laughs> in Colorado. And so I remember sitting in my car in front of work like reading this wow i think i had seen the cover or whatever but i got stuck on the cover because i was like you said sitting there going who is this who's this supposed to be i don't think it's a female i don't know why so not liz i ruled that out right and then 
and then I started reading thinking, all right, I'm just going to assume it's the black flame. Yeah. <laughs> that would make me feel good. Yeah. <laughs> My assumption was that it was the black flame straight away just because it's surrounded by orange flames. So. Right, yeah. right. I assumed it was the black flame as well. Yeah. Um, I didn't know what it was pointing to, but I just thought it was a kick-ass cover. See, I was just ready mm-hmm. to fucking read this. Yeah. Thing. I was like, man, <laughs> what's going to happen? We open in the cosmic realm. Johan Johan recognizes Redding as the former occupant of the armor. Former, present, future, never, Redding responds. I love that because he's like, he doesn't doesn't see time. Yeah, he doesn't see time anymore. Johan says he'll accept Redding saying dying isn't so bad, but he's unsure of his salvation. Redding says he wasn't talking about something as limited as the idea of heaven. It's like, oh, you you poor man. You just don't know. You got to give yourself up to that. To the infinite, Redding says. Get woven into all. Stretch across the structure of the universe. The network of eternity. And listen, I'm explaining this to you a whole lot more clearly than anyone ever told me. (laughs) The armor, the vril, they're our gateway to what I've been talking about. Let yourself merge with creation, Johan, but do it quickly. You can feel it, can't you? That thing out there is drawing you out of your armor, out from our protection. I like how he says our yeah. protection because yeah. he's now Talking he's bound entire, with everything. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I love this page so much in this this panel in the middle here that actually takes up the whole page. Yeah. If you look at it, the other panels are just imposed on top of it. Yeah. But the, this is actually like, it's a splash page with panels on top of it. And I love that. He goes, you got to give yourself up to the infinite and the network of eternity, the whole stretch. Yeah. I mean, like that really, I just, I took a while and looked at this page and yeah. really read yeah. and reread that Just lingered on it a little just, bit. Yeah. yeah. It's reading talking to Johan this time where we were in the last time it was I'm, I'm assuming it was the other guy talking to Reddy. Oh, Fields, right. Yeah. Uh-huh. And yeah. then so, and, he, and I like how he's like, look, dude, I'm explaining this way better than the <laughs> dude told me. The other dude was all like, <laughs> that's good. And then on this last panel, like, Johan's face gets like distorted uh-huh. as he's telling yeah. him they're trying to suck out the energy. I like that little glitch there or whatever. Well, I, I kind of assumed that that was like, the part of him being sucked out right yeah he's using the same effect that the spirits had when they were being used by uh mcwater like if you go back there's um a bit of art where like you can see one of the spirits is wibbly like that oh okay oh you're right because we cut over to the black flame and all that cosmic you know whatever kirby crackle stuff is coming out that's like kind of like the same Mm. stuff we saw in mcwarther's weapon yeah, it's it's one of those things where it's making it a bit more explicit what McWhorter was doing. He's he was doing the same thing the Black Flame's doing. He's just like channeling life and using it up. Right. And the artwork is just mind blowing by Campbell here as we see the Black Flame siphoning out Johann's power like a buff Dracula. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, I, when when I turned the page and saw this panel, I was just like, that is fucked up yeah i mean it is disturbing but it's so beautifully drawn (laughs) and this is the moment where it hit me where he pans out again and i was like this just keeps happening this keeps happening where he just pans out and shows and it's so affecting like when you're reading it you're just like oh my god and it makes you feel so hopeless in these moments where you're like oh my god the bad guy's winning you know what i mean or whatever it just gives it that sense of realism that's so frightening so then, but that's what I'm. That's what I was saying. Like in, earlier, 
you know, you get that such that everything is giving you a sense of despair and all this yeah. stuff at the last, but then at the last minute, it's like, Shanshin shows up. Yeah. You're like, okay. And so now you're feeling so much despair and then you turn the page and you're like, wait, what's happening here? Exactly. And so in my notes, I wrote, describe this next scene because like, there is <laughs> like, how do you even put into words what is happening here? Right. First, we start off with Eris, and we see Eris, and she's saying all that Hyperborean language. Yeah. Actually, that's not Hyperborean. Uh, that's um, Teshethuan. Ah, oh. okay. So that's the shaman language. Yes. Thank you for that, Mark. And so as we pan out, then we're then Eris is in Phoenix's mouth, and we see Phoenix is saying those things. And then as we pan out even further, Panya is holding on to Phoenix's temples, and she's saying those things. And then as we pan out even further, Shanshin is there and his spirit is tapping into Panya. He's lending himself. So that's just all the, it, like, yeah, I had to go back and yeah. forth over these pages. <laughs> yeah. Just looking and staring at them because it's just so incredible. And then that amazing connection and that lineage and that, you right. know, they're all lending strength all down through the line. And it's all happening at once but it's all happening through time and it's yeah. all happening like it's just so amazing the way they did that it is and it reminds me of was it at the uh was it in the black flame where liz saw shanshin and he started saying all that language and then she started saying it too yeah and then before she knew it yeah. she could channel the vril and she destroyed kathahem and that's mm-hmm. the kind of like the same mm-hmm. that reminded me of the exact same thing here. Just think of all the things that had to happen yeah. for this moment to happen. Exactly. I, I, when I think about that, my mind is just blown. It's like this intricate Jenga tower. So and they've incredible. just put yeah. it's just like Matt said, all the Matt and Aubrey have been saying that all the pieces are kind of coming together here. Yes. And I, and I love as we pan out even further, they're reading the scroll that <laughs> Howard's wrote, Devin is holding it up in front of them. <laughs> which is written in ink that was done by a shaman like millions of years before yeah. him. Yeah. Wow. So this is why this is when I want to reference that earlier scene where Professor O'Donnell is watching him scrape the rocks, mm-hmm. watching Howard scrape the rocks from the last episode. So I have like this growing theory, which really just developed the more we talk about it in the book club that, there are scenes being left out. Yeah. And we know that that was the case with like Phoenix mm-hmm. and her, her ghost sister or whatever. Right. And you can see it happening inside of the sledgehammer armor. Somebody's communicating with the character and that's affecting the outcome in reality. And I think it's possible. Maybe Gal Dinar knows how to make ink. Or maybe that's an Agent Howard's skill. I don't know. Right. But was he is he able to write this language that way in that prayer, or was Sanshin speaking to him? Yeah. Oh. So you can imagine oh, yeah. and this is this is oh. definitely me reading into it, but I do like that these books allow you to do this. Uh-huh. But you could see that scene in a different way where O'Donnell is kind of like muted rambling in the background while Sanshin is telling Howard's what to write. He's chanting and to Howard's, and Howard's is jotting it. Oh, my God, that's amazing. And that's why yeah. he's ignoring it. Because <laughs> I actually, they knew, because who knew the prayer was going to come in handy later? I have a similar idea, but slightly different. So um, I've always had this theory that basically Howard's is living two lives at the same time. Uh-huh. My theory is that when he's writing all this stuff, there's another story going on in the far-flung past 
with Goldeneye yeah. basically on some kind of mission to track down the information he needs to be able to write the information yes. on, those, yes. uh, on that script. Perfect. Yes. Wow. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I love this. That's this so funny because I was about to say <laughs> that's so awesome that you brought that up because yes, that's so. Um, I love that so much. Oh, yeah. That's absolutely my shit. That's my jam. Is that what you were gonna say? Yes, man. Okay, I okay, dig yeah. that. That is so fucking <laughs> cool. Awesome. And also, like, I just thought of something else. Like when you were talking about O'Donnell, what if he's also perceiving that somehow, though? And that's what his rambly stuff was about. Mm. His rambly stuff might have been. He is also perceiving that duality and then like the Shanshin thing. Like maybe he wasn't, he's not just talking to himself. He's talking to all this stuff that's mm. going on and no one else <clears throat> understands that. Sure, his ranting. Yes. Yeah. And then so I love this. Doris is there standing by. <laughs> is Miss Ponya reading that scroll? I mean, what's going on here? Okay, Honestly, yeah, Kate says, hell if I know. <laughs> At this point, she's she's just going to roll with it. I love how she's just got her arms crossed and she's just like, uh. is, she's so Kate right there. I love it. <laughs> Over with the black flame. Now he's sucked the energy out of Johan. He's beat Liz and he's standing there and he sees this sliver of light coming through the blackness. And he's like, well, if I didn't do this, then what the fuck? Where is this coming from? <laughs> what have I missed? He asked himself. And just then we see Liz's hand come out of the water, gripping that cross. The black flame, he then thinks it's because he destroyed the raiders. And now the universe is relaxing around him. How arrogant, right? What a <laughs> And he goes to finish off Johan. Boom. You won't go to hell. I'll bring it to you. Oh, Liz, shit. Liz, yes, yes. This is so awesome. Oh, yeah. She I love... stepped up her comeback game, too. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good fucking line. But I love the way that Lawrence Campbell draws her here just totally yeah. illuminated with those slivers of fire coming out of her eyes. It's so amazing. And she just totally burns up the black flame and engulfs him in fire. Your hell is too small for me, daughter, the black flame says as he blasts her back with the black fire. And he shoots her towards the city, and then he flies after her, and they crash through a building. Similar again to the action we saw in BPRD Reign of the Black Flame. Remember, they were flying around and going through mm -hmm. buildings and all this stuff. Over with Evelyn, she's got the Zinko employees and guards under Penn Station, and they hear all the destruction from the fight above. She tells them they're all right and talks to the guard, planning to find more places to move the people. She mentions Long Island Railroad and New Jersey transit lines. So I do like this, too, because Evelyn has kind of made a change, too, right? Like, she's decided she's not going to do yeah. this bidding anymore of the Black Flame. Now she's trying to, like, actually help people. So I do like that little right, um, yeah. bit of storytelling also. Over with Panya and Phoenix still reciting the chant from the paper Howard's wrote, Doris says, she's never heard that language. Sounds like a prayer. O'Donnell comes in. Professor, you should be asleep, Doris says. No, not a prayer. A cantrap. A solicitation of severance. Early Teshethuan language. I'm sure now. Teshethuans believed worshippers of the Jihad bonded with their masters. They siphoned potency and spirit from the living and from the earth to feed their Jihad, keeping the excess power for themselves. This invocation is supposed to break that connection, drain the worshippers of that excess. 
so that the energies run back to their sources, renewing life. And as he says this, we focus in on the sledgehammer armor, and we see Johan's ectoplasm or energy or whatever. It goes back into the suit, and then like the tears in the suit like seal up too. Yeah. I also notice like there's like a crack across the face, and it like gets smaller. I really love that effect. And then Johan mm. stands up. So somehow through this yeah. prayer, well, and the, it's, the the triple eyes get all they light yeah, up. Yeah, the eyes light up. I love that too. Great pacing on that page. So the stuff that O'Donnell's talking about here, this is what we've been seeing all the way back since Seed of Destruction. Like, that's even what Saduham's doing. Like, it's basically um, Rasputin's the worshipper in that particular point, and he's going along killing people, siphoning their life force to feed Saduham so that he can um, start growing a body around uh, the Ogdru spirit. Because um, an Ogdruham... Uh, when it's just an Ogre spirit isn't fully formed and it needs to basically consume the life force of others to re-knit its physical body. Wow, that's so cool. Wow. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So it's interesting they've put off explaining this for so long. Like, they've always kept that mechanic running through the whole series. Like, every time you see it happening, like, you can see it happening in um, The Abyss of Time and and um, you can see it happening again with Carthaham in The Plague of Frogs. And it's like, you see this happening over and over and over again, but they've never explicitly explained what's happening yeah. until now. That is so great. Yeah, thank you for tying that all together for us. I guess the Teshethuans are the Shanship-type shamans, right? That's what you were saying, Mark? So that's what yeah. Abe was a part of, right? Yes, uh, they would have been the people that were taught by the Hyperboreans how to use Vril. Nice. Over with the Black Flame fighting Liz... She notices his power has decreased. No, it hasn't. I'm still better than you, and I'm always the best, the Black Flame essentially says, right? <laughs> I hate this guy, but this next page is one of my favorite yes. EPRD comic book pages ever. Oh, yeah. There's a giant crack of real energy. The Black Flame gets thrown to the ground. Puss godless shit johan says in german <laughs> and he comes in and he fries the black flame with the vril energy sending him smashing into the street below and he goes like face first down in there that is so satisfying and then so he stands up and he's all coughing he says he's ruptured separated from but before he can finish johan delivers a beat down right he like comes down on him and he starts blasting him with more vril energy it's clobbering time. <laughs> but just when he's getting a leg up, the Black Flame snatches the leg of the armor and just starts bashing him around. This reminded me of like when Hulk throws around Loki in the Avengers the or whatever. Yeah. yeah. I love the pacing and the motion on that, the way that Lawrence Campbell illustrates that. You really feel the impact as he swings Johan around. I crush you again, Beetle. Even isolated from the stars, I crush you easily. And again, if I must, I will crush you over and over and over. I am triumph. I am conquest. And he punches Johan aside. But then here comes Liz again, and she lights him up. She says, Mortis Semper Vincit. Death always wins. This is a callback to Reign of the Black Flame. Right before the Black Flame sent down that giant plume of black energy. Do you remember that? Mm -hmm. He said, life yeah. always wins. Mm. So here Liz says, death always wins. And she, she remembered that shit. Yeah. Ah. Just like Danielle said, her... Comeback game is yeah. Yeah, improving here. <laughs> and she grabs him by the sides of his head and she just lets loose. Very satisfying. Not, only, not just because, of course, we have been fucking waiting 
to kill the black yeah. flag for so long, <laughs> but this horrible, hideous maw is getting turned to charcoal. Yeah. Very excited yeah. to see that. <laughs> Satisfying. And he actually looks like he's in agony. Like, I don't know if we've ever yeah. really seen him in pain or seen him being affected by pretty much anything. Her Good. fire is coming out of his eyes. Yeah, yeah. man. Yeah. And there's this huge explosion, takes up the whole city, and we see Evelyn's team, they're all freaking out. Wait, it stopped. Maybe it's over. And we see Liz. Now all the fire is gone. And I love, again, they zoom in on it. So we start off really far away on just this little dot in the white. And as we zoom in, we see Liz. She still has her hands on the side of his head, just like she did when she was lighting him up. But now he's all dead and he's got an arm off. And his buff, stupid, dead body just falls <laughs> over. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I love this hero shot as oh, yeah. Liz wipes the blood from her nose. Hell yeah. Really cool. That's, that's a... Yeah, she comes out of it with a nosebleed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a rock star look right there. And then, shakao, Johan flies down and he just goes ape shit on the remains. Shit heaps of rancid cased vomit, he says, as he just pummels the black flame and turns him into blue and black goo. That's a great insult to use. (laughs) (laughs) You never hurt me again. Never hurt anyone. And the words are all like flowed together like he's just saying them all as one word. Johan, for Christ's sakes, Johan, he's already gone. Liz pulls back his hand and he says, yes, dead. And still... It is not enough. <laughs> I, that's what I, I'm talking about. That's what I was saying. <laughs> I was like, yeah. when I read that, I was like, I'm, I'm sure Matt is also felt that way. It's still not enough. They finally <laughs> killed him, but it's still not enough, right? Yeah, I was thinking, I didn't know it was going to be Liz and Johan together, yeah. right? I didn't know they were actually going to do it in this arc or this issue, but I was hopeful. Yeah. And, <laughs> and when I saw that blue blood, I was like, oh man, that's really it. I know where Johan's coming from. Yeah. Keep yeah. Man. Beating it. This thing has come back before. We need to make sure there's nothing left. Yeah. yeah. And then I, I also feel like he's still thinking about Roger, you mm-hmm. know, going into oh, yeah. Roger yeah. and communicating with him there at the end of the Universal Machine. You know, all that stuff is still in the back of his mind. He's been so compassionate about all those souls in the canon. And so he really does have empathy, I think, for for souls and for, you know, ghosts and people well, who are dead. He was also like yeah. super yeah. afraid of actually dying for a yeah, second. There, yeah. So he's kind of like, Ugh. <laughs> yeah. And there's this like weird connection I've never been able to shake. It's not even a connection. It's probably just a coincidence. But the sledgehammer armor was at Simi Airfield. Mm. And uh, remember when it, you were referencing earlier when it burst through the barracks roof? Yeah. Through the best zone yes. or whatever. And the place where the Black Flame killed Roger was Simi Steel Mill. Oh, wow. Great detail. I think it was in pittsburgh or pennsylvania or something i can't remember where it was exactly but i always was like why did they write the name on the side of that building if it's the same as the airfield but that's not supposed to be related like Mm. i said probably just a coincidence but black flame roger sledgehammer it's all connected right it's weird it's a weird thing that always kind of stuck with me. There was one other thing uh, I wanted to add, which is uh, part of the rage that I see coming out in uh, Johan here is sort of 
coming from his uselessness throughout this battle. Yeah. Like he 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 was helpful, but ultimately he fell short in his eyes. Mm. And when you think about like what he was talking about earlier in the issue about like how there's a, an element of himself that was so essential and he gave it up so that he could be in the Vril suit and it still wasn't enough. Yeah. Like, man, that's got to mess you up. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Good point. Yeah, and it, it was the scroll or whatever the Howards wrote and all those people reading it that really yeah. Pulled, yeah. literally pulled everything back together right. at the crucial moment. And he's got to feel like he's got to mm. get a shot and even after he's been right. destroyed. Right. Mm-hmm. Man, when when I got to this this page the other day when I was reading it, I was just like, "Is that it? Is this really right?" Over? <laughs> right. I mean, right. And, and not in a and not in a way like, "Oh, is that it?" It was more like a, "Are we sure? Are, are we re- are we really sure? <laughs> right? Is it, is he gone? Yeah. Right, man. Wow. Yeah. I, and, and it's just like part of me still still don't want to yeah. still don't you know you don't want to get too happy about it right? exactly because I mean, I, yeah, fuck that guy, but <laughs> he's come back before. <laughs> Over at the BPRD headquarters, Kate and Devon watch the monitors and they see the news report. The Aldridge ahead is spreading out all over Kansas. Man. And it's spreading a blanket of alien flora and fauna. And more Aldrahams are growing around it. They don't get it. Kate thought killing the Black Flame would make the monster weaker. But it's like a rabid dog off its leash. Don't tell the others, she tells Devon. Not yet. Let them enjoy their victory for a few hours. I just wonder if Yosef has heard it. And we get this lovely panel at the bottom. Phoenix is awake now. Panya's talking to her. Doris is petting Bruiser. And Odano is getting some goddamn sleep finally. <laughs> it's good to see Bruiser getting some loving. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, so, uh, one thing. Uh, so, basically, that web that was connecting to all life and being able to siphon power, so that's back in control of the Ogdru Jihad now. And so it's, uh, like, the, the um, Ogdruhem that'd be spawning around it, those would be ones that are Ogdruhem spirits, that, and their bodies like, just channeling that energy into itself to re-knit their physical forms. Mm. And it's just, like, a constant feedback loop. Like, it can do that as many times as it wants. Just a constant stream of, like, birthing these things. Oh, oh sorry, rebirthing these things. Yeah. Although, like, every... Think about every single Ogdruhem that they've ever killed. All they've ever done is just stripped it of its physical form and returned it back to its spirit. Oh, so now man. every single Ogdruhem they've ever defeated is coming back. Oh, my like, God. Carpahem all the way back... That's back. Uh, so that's that's the the thing they're facing at the moment. And the other thing I have to mention is I just, I love that mother aspect of Kate. You know, like in that, you know, she's shouldering just that little bit, you know, more than she really needs to just so that everyone else can have a reprieve. Yeah. Yeah. Just a couple of minutes, man. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Wow. And she mentioned she wonders if Yosef had heard. And so we cut over to the Kremlin in Russia, and it's fucking sea shanty time, y'all. Oh, yeah. Russian sea shanty, I guess. Close enough. It's been so long. We hear the song of the Volga Boatman, or Yo Heave Ho, as it is well known, collected by Mili Balakirev and published in a book of folk songs in 1866. It was sung by barge harlers on the Volga River, and I think we've discussed this song before, but I was so excited to get another sea chanty in there. <laughs> <laughs> 
and we see Yosef. He has a bottle of Ruskova Russian vodka. This is a vodka that's produced and bottled in Nizhny Novgorod. From their website, this vodka is made from only the finest grains grown by the distillery and distilled for ultimate clarity and Russian character. Nice. I like whenever they incorporate a real bottle yeah. in there. And so I looked for that bottle and I found it. How were you able to find the bottle from that side label? <laughs> I just typed in uh, I just typed in Russian vodka with star with a red star. Ah, still, I, I kind of wonder how you were able to narrow it down. I found, and I just searched Google <laughs> no, images yeah. until I found it. And uh, I was like, that's it. That's awesome. That's super cool. I'm just flipping around looking for uh, Campbell's fingerprints. <laughs> and they are everywhere. Oh. Really? Okay. Well, not everywhere, but I've spotted them. Ah, yeah. okay. You're going to have to so send me some must... screen grabs of those. I doubt he's doing that for shading, but could he be I doing that? I wonder if that? he's like, if it's you know, like it a texture right thing. Yeah. I wonder if it's like a textury thing. That's smart. What if it's mm. like a secret signature? Oh, okay. Maybe yeah. it's something that you know, like the first time I saw it, it wasn't in that panel, and it's just I noticed it again in a new panel. Are we sure it's not like a a texture paintbrush that? I mean, it looks just like, and it would be the perfect size. We should totally ask him on Twitter, like you know. Um, whether he's using his fingerprints. Are these your own prints? Oh, yeah. yeah. We should yeah. do that. I will do that. Maybe he's all like, nobody's spotted it yet. <laughs> <laughs> the book club. Those pesky kids. Right. <laughs> and we see Leonid come in to talk to Yosef. We haven't seen him in a while. And he says that Yosef called for him. I have need of your special talents, Yosef says. You must strike me in the face, or rather, on my faceplate. You understand? Leonid doesn't want to do it. But Yosef really wants to drink this vodka. Leonid says, it's dangerous. God damn it, Leonid, Yosef yells. Would you have me use a gun? Because I will. Now punch me. And Leonid does so, and he cracks the faceplate. Was that really the most efficient way to do that? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not, but I mean, if you're gonna, he just wanted something bad, right? Jeez, yeah, man. he just wanted that vodka so bad. It's a little dramatic. Well, and Kate had just said, "I wonder if he's heard the news," and I think he has. Ah, oh, oh, right. See. Yeah, right. you're right. Yeah. Well, we know what he's about to do as well. Like, it's not like he's planning oh, on yeah. living any right. longer than the next, you know, like an hour or so. so. Yeah, oh, you're yeah. right. That puts this, it into context. To him, this yeah. is his last drink. Okay. Thank you for that, yeah. Mark. Very Aww. insightful. Well, and then isn't it, we've seen him like pull out the bottle several yeah, times. Yeah, he's pulled it out before and been like, oh, if I could just take a drink. And so here, he's actually impressed that when Leonid punched him, he hardly spilled any of the vodka. <laughs> and he takes a drink. Thank you, Leonid. He hugs him. You're a good boy, like a son. Aww. Please, you will tell Johan how proud I am of him, yes? And he walks off with the bottle. I like how he's holding it yeah. up as he walks away. He always dreams about family, like we were talking about. Yeah. And he's, that's Aww. real important to him, and that's his desired life. And so he probably thinks of this guy here as his little brother or his son yeah, or like his yeah. nephew or something. And he thinks of Johan as a brother for yeah, sure. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's the last thing he was thinking of. I just, it's powerful. I mean, this yeah, guy, he's is, like yeah. the family man who never, never was. Yeah. 
He's a character that snuck up on me so much. Oh, yeah. Big yeah. time. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think everybody was a little suspicious of him in the beginning, especially, yeah, he did some really kind of questionable stuff there. Well, I was thinking he's come a long ways from being like a bloated corpse on the bottom of the ocean. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> And so Yosef walks over and he opens the door to the room with Vavara. Oh in man, the, jar. the way that this one panel is yeah. the composition of just that panel is so fucking right. Oh man, I'm so it's excited. Those damn silhouettes again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm so excited. Like, like, look how like she's framed. Like she's literally in a shaft of light. Like she is his last hope. Right. Wow. She's waiting for him. She's got nothing else but to wait for this. Fuck mm-hmm. yes. And he is totally in darkness in that shot too. I just, ugh. I love that. Little Snowball, how are you? Yosef says. You are drunk, Vavara responds. No, but my industry labors in that direction. Ah, <laughs> and nice. He, he just continues. I love that kind of dialogue. <laughs> <laughs> he just keeps chugging the vodka. Here we are, Snowball, at our appointed hour, our fatal alliance, Yosef says. I will unleash one of Satan's royalty on the earth. God will never forgive me for that. But I know a secret. I know how jealous you are. You will not share your toys with a Leviathan in the States. And either you will kill it, or it will kill you. So at least one of you will be gone. And we see the jar starting to be lifted. Of of the the jar being lifted. Oh, man. And this panel as she steps out with her hands to the side is so delicate. Oh, man. And she puts up her hand to him, and he expects that she's just going to blast him, right? That's what he imagined in that previous vision. Where is the blast of fire, Vivara? Just get it over with. Or is it your plan to torture me first? But she actually raises her hand to have him put down the vodka. We have very much to discuss, don't you think? She asks. This page! The oh, end. man. Goosebumps. Like, oh, every time. I have been waiting for this page. Man, it's just... Oh. We've just seen Vivara in that jar for so long, yes. and now she's freed. What's going to happen next? Oh, my God. So many things. This has been an incredible story. I just stared yeah. at these two pages you know, for so long, just rereading them over and over. So good. <laughs> and look at oh, her. Yeah. She's like, she's at 100%. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, she's man. ready to go. Yes. She's immediately ready to go. And she's like, all right, I've been thinking about this for a while. I know exactly what to do. We've got a lot to talk about. So excited. <laughs> just, that's the scariest part. It's not that she's still in little girl form. It's that she's 100%. She's she's totally awake. She's alert. She's yeah. so calm and calculated. Right. That should freak everybody. I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah. I want to turn to page 373 in the digital sketchbook. Here we have some notes by Lawrence Campbell. Drawing the rotating Andrew Jihad cocoons at the beginning of BPRD 135 was a real buzz for me. I used some blue putty and a cut-up straw to help model the rotating image <laughs> yeah. to reveal the empty cocoon. I thought that was so That's neat. So cool. yeah. Yeah. What a that. great idea. Yeah, we also get this spectacular Mike Mignola variant cover mm-hmm. featuring oh. Liz and Johan in the Vril armor. Just incredible. I love this cover so much. I love it. It's one of my favorites of all time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
we also get, um, I thought this was interesting. So Lawrence Campbell had to reference some things from Flesh and Stone, which was drawn by James Heron. But due to their different schedules, James hadn't figured out all the scenes yet. So he just threw these together to send him some references. So that way he could reference where the Black Flame is and that statue that's in the terminal. And then also the events with Howard's from Flesh and Stone. These pages, I, I feel like these pages are a little out of order. I want to look at this one with Lawrence Campbell's work first on 377. So Lawrence Campbell initially drew the Ogdru Jihad with wings, and you kind of see it in this first panel. And then he got oh. and then he got this feedback from Mignola. And so on this previous page, we get Mignola drawing the Ogdru Jihad. And he says, Lawrence, just a couple things. He sa he references Guy Davis's work in Garden of Souls and all those Ogdru hems that are in there. He says the Ogdru Jihad is God to them, not just a bigger creature. They stop moving around when it comes down. So I thought that was an interesting cool, detail. Yeah. He also says the Ogdru Jihad does not have wings. And it looks like you're working from the design in strange places. But you have to look at the finished version of them in the island also. And he also says... You can leave the nostril open for color, also lit inside of mouth. I love the the thing that says the quote-unquote Holy Spirit flame overhead. Yeah, that's what you were talking about. I love about. that detail yeah. that he explicitly said, like, this is, you know, has to be here. I love that. And then you see when Lawrence Campbell redrew that panel again, he incorporated yeah. that feedback from Mignola. I really like looking at those pages and kind of seeing that process. We also see a bunch of different versions of capturing the scale when Liz goes down there to confront the Ogdra Jihad. And these are really great to look at, as well as different thumbnails for covers that he had in mind. We also get that amazing Lawrence Campbell variant, the New York City Comic Con version, that has McWerther and the Victorian submarine on the front. Lawrence Campbell writes, Issue 138 pit the new Joe Hammer against the new Black Flame. I thought this was an opportunity to refer to the previous battle they had in Sledgehammer Lightning War Issue 3. And so that was that reference we talked about. And then here on the bottom of that page, he says, We considered showing different colored versions of the cover to tease who had died, but the plan was abandoned. So the cover that we got is the black skull on the orange fire, but there was also a version that was going to be a white skull on black fire. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, so wow. that's pretty cool. They, and they show pictures of that <clears throat> yeah. as well. Oh, wait, this back cover. Yeah, and so we have this amazing back cover of Yosef walking along with Vavara. Oh, and so we'll have a lot more to talk about that later as we get into some other stories. You know what I want to get into. Yes, all right. So, And now we're going to go on, and to wrap up this amazing episode, we're going to be talking about Kill the Black Flame. Kill the Black Flame! Yes, we finally made it here. This is a two-page story that was featured in the back of BPRD Hell on Earth, issue 135, published in September 2015. Story, art, colors, and letters by the Longmont Kid, our favorite letter hack, Matt motherfucking Strachbein. We have these pages here, right here, in our, hanging on our living yeah. room wall. And I gotta say, like, even without the dialogue, I love that I can tell exactly what's going on you know even without all even without any of the the word 
bubbles or anything like that i can right. i can totally follow this and it's it's fucking hilarious <laughs> yeah. i love it yeah so i thought this was interesting because aubrey and danielle have seen the art already because again thank you matt so much you sent us actually the original pages for this two-page story but they've never actually read it until now so i thought that that was fun yeah well i i never i mean i looked at it but i never actually looked at it looked at it you know until after i read this and then I, when i got here i looked at it like in depth yeah the only thing that I had perceived differently from what you had actually drawn, because it's not in color, these pages that we have. When you're at the dentist's office, I thought that that was like a blood on your mouth, and he's like trying desperately to get your attention. Oh. <laughs> he's like trying to be like, you, you need to pay attention to this, and you were just like, no, I'm reading this comic. Anyway. That really happened. I was reading. <laughs> I was reading the comic when he brought in uh, X-rays. Oh my god, that's so funny. And, uh, yeah, the, everything in this really happened. But uh, anyway, if you're reading this two-page story, then that's proof that you've read a lot of these comics. <laughs> oh yeah, oh, wow. yeah. You're the best man at this guy's wedding, and you're like fucking reading this book. I'm sorry, it's just so funny, and like. It, so it, the- it comes across even without the dialogue. It's so funny. Let's Not, go through the story. Yeah, sorry, sorry, let's, sorry. Let's sorry. go back a little bit because I wanted to talk to you, Matt, about, you know, we know that you were um, writing into Hell Notes a lot. You coined the mm-hmm. Kill the Black Flame saying, right, that got repeated throughout the Hell Notes. And then now you're drawing for the comics. So how did that, how did you make that transition from letter hack to now actually being in the issue? That's a good question. I guess... I guess I would start by saying the reason why I'm a letter hack and write into comics is because I wanted people to do that. I wanted more people to be letter hacks. Right. And I was like, the more I do it, the more other people will do it. And then it became like its own thing, which I thought was really cool because people (laughs) would reference other letter hacks in the letter column. Right. So, but yeah, I had been showing Scott Alley, but there was like a point where he said, "Hey, I just want to see all the comics that you draw. Just send them to me. Oh wow! And I'll give you, I'll give you like open feedback. Cool, that's and, awesome. Well, yeah, but so at first, one, you know, one of the things about having an editor give you feedback is you suck, right? <laughs> well, gonna... no, but that's so constructive <laughs> and, too. Like to have someone who's actually in the industry and actually working on stuff that you like yeah. to have him give you that feedback so that you can grow and improve and like that is so exciting. Like how awesome is that, man? Yeah, it sucked. But no. it, it, it was not easy. So once you get over your own ego and you you show that you are willing to not only take feedback but change your art and change your method and your process to be better at your craft to grow, or, or yeah. To treat it like a craft. Then, you know, the hope is that the editor will eventually be like, you, you should do something with this. And so he emailed me. I was having like a particularly bad day. I can't remember exactly why. Probably something work related because I was up late at night working. And and Scott Alley's the kind of guy who would like at the time would send you emails at like midnight. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And it was always kind of like creepy cool. That's the editor. <laughs> keeping in mind, you. keeping in mind, he's like an hour earlier on the <laughs> West Coast. But anyway, so um. I get this email from him saying, hey, we've got to bring readers up to speed on the Black Flame for this specific issue. He told me it was going to be in the back of this. 
And he goes, so I need you to bring people up to speed. You can either do a 1,500-word write-up or a two-page comic would be cool. What a cool guy. If you can do it from your perspective. Wow. The first thing I thought of was, okay, cool. All right, he trusts me enough after a couple years of showing him all my comics and new stuff and taking his feedback serious that he trusts me enough to, like, do something like that. But I was hesitant because it was, like, kind of too big, right? Mm. So I asked him. I sent an email back, like immediately. Right? Yeah, I think I, I think I woke my wife up Aww. to tell her. But uh, and then I emailed him back and said, "Look, man, if I'm gonna do such a thing, I would have to include a whole bunch of different characters, like Abe, Liz, the lobster, yeah. whatever. And I have to um, include myself, probably. Yeah. And is that like okay to do? And I was real hesitant. He. He just replied back, yeah, do all of that. Wow. <laughs> what a cool nice. guy. Not only to tap yeah. you for this, to think of you like, hey, I know. I want to get this specific <clears throat> thing done. Let me tap the guy who's constantly talking about right. the Black Flame <laughs> to do this thing. Like, And then also being like, yeah, just do whatever you think is is good. That's well, awesome. and I, I still think he had low expectations, and I'm not sure he intended. Like, he asked me to do it. He wanted to publish it, but that doesn't mean he's going to. Right. Right. Like, still, he, okay. It's it, still cool, though. He hadn't approved anything. So we worked out like an outline back and forth. And, you know, he's real involved in the scripting and the dialogue and all that. Cool. And, uh, but, but then when the art starts, he's basically just kind of like hands off. Right. Okay. Right. Okay. And not hands off, but the feedback was always like, looking good, keep going. You know, he's given you some breathing room, in other words. Yeah, he's like, after we work out the script, it should be smooth. Like, he that's why he works on the script. He wouldn't have, so then, yeah, he wouldn't have had you on this if he didn't trust your abilities to deliver at that point. Yeah, and although I put myself in it as the guy pissed off at the Black Flame while telling (laughs) its history. I've made the comic for the fans yeah. and for the readers. Yeah. And I put a bunch of stuff in there that I thought, you know, like you were saying, you can follow it without the work. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that's why I was just so, I'm so impressed with that. I love that. We open up on the panel of Roger being revealed to be dead. And it's also, you. I love how you incorporate the covers too. So we also see the cover to the Black Flame issue three. That's so useful. I've been reading comics for years when just one issue changed everything. Oh, no, not Roger, Matt says. That was the moment that I learned to love a comic book character. Just the subtle sheen of the comic book page where it's slightly bending (laughs) under your hand. I love that. Little details like that, man. That's amazing. I have to say, Matt, that uh, I felt the same way when I saw Roger die, (laughs) when I read that issue so long ago, which was only like a year ago. Right. (laughs) Bastard. And hate another. My favorite BPRD agent was killed by the Black Flame. The creep didn't even fully realize what he'd done, apparently. They're so outraged. And we we see uh, and here Matt is reading the Black Flame issue five, where we see that part where the Black Flame is saying he thinks he made a mistake. A corporate slimeball with a villain fetish who took up the mantle of a Golden Age bad guy. 
<laughs> and we see Mr. Pope there with his Nazi armband. And then I also noticed, like, what's this on his tie? Yeah, man. It's a no-mask monkey. You put one of those no-mask monkeys that on is there. So that is so cool. <laughs> like, he, you know, maybe saw, like, a novelty tie online and was like, oh, I got to get that. Yeah. So good. Oh, he definitely would. <laughs> That's great. The original Black Flame was named Ryman Diestel. He went toe-to-toe with the lobster back in the 30s. And, as it turned out, Diestel was no match for the claw. The claw! Justice! Yeah. <laughs> ah, yes! <laughs> and so we get a great callback there to... Oh, you wrote it right there. Yeah, Lobster Johnson, the burning mm-hmm. hand. Powerless, Diestel was jailed. Later, Hitler, of all people, let the jerk out of prison to steal a top-secret plane. That time, the flame was smoldered by the USA's Vril Harnessing Sledgehammer. And so here we get another reference to the cover of Sledgehammer 44 Lightning Ward number 3. And then, like Danielle said, here's this panel of your dentist coming to show you your x-rays, and you're just going, die, die, while so you're... So good. <laughs> That's really good. Yeah, he he came in to show me x-rays, and I had just been sitting there, like, letting the numbness wear off or something. Oh, okay. And, uh, and I was reading my comic. So you take your comics with over, you to the dentist's office. Well, if my appointment is on new comic book day. No, but what were you? That's awesome. So I you left work, bought the comic, and went to the dentist. So you're wow. reading your comic. And, he comes in with the x-rays, and then what? And he was looking over my shoulder going, what the hell is that? <laughs> And then the x-ray, I emailed Scott later and was like, dude, I'm sitting there reading the black flame. The dentist shows me the x-ray and all I can see is the black flame skull. Yeah, man. Yes. That's so good. Yeah, I love that. By the way, good job drawing an x-ray. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Nice. It's really nice. Yeah. It does look like the black flame. Years later, Pope became the new black flame and killed Roger. Roger stayed dead while Pulp stumbled his way through villainy. And we see that scene from the end of The Universal Machine where Johan puts his ectoplasm into Roger. The Black Flame and his legion of frogs literally went underground. He allied himself with some ancient evil little guys. And we see the King of Fair there and there's that scene. I love how you (laughs) recaptured this scene because there is that moment at the end of the King of Fear where he's like, we're on the same team, right? And Black Flame's like, right. I mean, that's not really how it happened, but but essentially that's what happened. You've managed to distill (laughs) all of that into just this one panel. I love this. It's really good. fucking great where he's just like, yeah. Uh, so we're on the same side, right? And he's just like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you've managed to take all of that shit and just put it into one panel. It's so good. There he planned to take over the entire planet. The flame failed when Liz Sherman torched his ass. No, we see the black flame saying as all the fire in King of Fear comes to burn all the frog monster eggs. Ha, they finally got him. And we see Matt, he's holding the issue of King of Fear number four. And in the background, this guy's like, yo, best man, the wedding has begun. Hey. Jeez. So so that so really that, happened too? Well, at the rehearsal dinner. Uh. The, night, <laughs> the night before the wedding. And that was my brother. So and I was, I was <laughs> when I go when I go back east, I hit the local comic shops. I hit comic shops anywhere I travel. Yeah. That's John. He does support that. Him. Yeah. yeah. So Everyone was like, where the hell is he? And I was like, out in my little brother's car. I was like, oh, yeah, I got those comics I bought today out there. (laughs) (laughs) 
and uh, yeah. it was my mom and my brother came out to That's get me. That's great. That's so good. This so, so is that your brother there? Did you draw your brother? Yeah, that's my older brother Jamie. Oh, that's great. Aww. That's great. Yeah, when we're on in like a anywhere, driving anywhere on like a road trip out of state or out of in a different city or anything like that in a different town, we'll be driving yeah, up and be like, "Hey, is that a comic book shop?" And John's like, "Where?" And he'll just like turn I'll literally the car turn the car around, yeah, and go check it out. So yeah, but like like I said, like I originally read just the. Pa- the original pages, by the way, I can't get over the fact that you gifted those to us. Thank you so much. Yes, they're, they're so They're in amazing. the most prominent yeah, place in our living room. Yes. I, um, I, I read this without the dialogue, and I just was cracking up just because of... That's one of my things. I have to be able to... If the dialogue wasn't there, would this still be telling a story? And it very much does. So For a time, it seemed like the Black Flame was gone for good. Then he returned, brought back from the beyond by his assistant and Zinko cohorts. And that's from BPRD, The Return of the Master. And we see them greeting the buff flame. <laughs> hey, that's not Rasputin. I love that right there. These fucking nerds. That's right. <laughs> As the earth went straight to hell, the black flame was resurrected, and things got even uglier, himself included. Liz and the BPRD tried their best to put him down again, but his reign continues. The bastard! (laughs) And I love this panel of Liz, yeah. See the reflection of him in the building? Yeah. Oh, wow, I never noticed that. So that, on the one hand, that wouldn't be how his reflection would reflect. I I just fudged it, right? Right, mm-hmm. right, but right. That is, I used the reference that we were just talking about where James Heron did a sketch for Lawrence Campbell. Oh. Oh. With his, with his arms outstretched. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah like showing his wingspan. That's like so I used that yeah. image here. Cool, man. I thought that'd be like a cool little Easter egg. Yeah, that's awesome. Roger's death remains unavenged. Meanwhile, the Black Flame is still out there causing mass chaos. Isn't it amazing how these characters can get me so riled up? Note the tag, and we see the buff flame coming up to the Marsden statue. Matt was here, he says. <laughs> I like how it just says dork. And there's also yeah. flame, flame loves, loves Marsden. Marsden. Yeah. <laughs> it's really great, all the graffiti. No kidding. I fall asleep at night wondering who, if anyone, will finally do the deed. Bells tolling for thee. We see Matt having a nightmare. Bells toll, please, somebody. <laughs> and he's holding oh, the man. and he's holding the reign of the black flame trade paperback. Oh, good. Kill the black flame. A brief history by Matt Strackbine. Nice. So awesome. And yeah. so I had to ask you this. So I guess you knew this issue was going to be in the comic. Did you know that there were going to be three different covers to this issue and your issue was going to be in the same one as an awesome variant cover by Mignola and then two amazing covers by Lawrence Campbell? No, I had no idea what the cover was until there was a solicitation. I had no idea. And then, but of course, when I realized, I was like, oh, cool, everyone's going to buy this one for sure. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Some people will even buy it multiple times. Yeah, right, no, because exactly. I think I have all three. Um, I, I couldn't find the the New York City Comic Con one, but I'm I'm sure I have it somewhere. I need to look for it. And I'll, I'd like to get your thoughts on it too, Mark, because when I first read this, I was like, "What is this?" Like when I first got to this, <laughs> I didn't really, you know, I didn't know Matt. I didn't really read Hellmail. To be honest, I didn't read a whole lot of those. I would read usually that first thing that Scott Alley would write, you know, where he would put like a little teaser sometimes, but. I was like, 
what is going on? What? But I just loved it so much. And like you mentioned earlier, you write it for the readers. I think that really comes across because I was like, that's me. You know what I mean? And even though it's you, it's easy to put yourself as the reader into that Matt character. Yeah, it really you is. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And especially when you've read through all the issues. And, you know, I always love when artists get to redraw another part and like that's all this is yes. is you're getting to redraw all these amazing moments <laughs> Justice. it's so cool and like yeah i just remember being blown away by this two issue thing it just really kind of like tickled me and just made me feel like part of a community and it made me feel like this comic book or this reading whatever was like worthwhile you know what i mean it was something that was worth it to be doing and something to be treasured too to be able to like enjoy all these stories and track all this and have this experience as a fan where you're emotionally invested and you know long before i started the podcast or anything when i was just getting on mike Manilo's art on facebook me and jerry turnbull would talk about your comics all the time (laughs) and how much we love them because they're just like they're us you know yeah. what I mean? It does truly capture the the way you feel as a fan reading these things. And I, it's just so well done. It's it's only two pages, but it just really, I just remember it being very memorable um, when I got to this kind of stuff. And, you know, when we get to some of your other comics that you did, in, uh, that you did later. It's like the ultimate experience as somebody, uh, an artist working on any of the Hellboy Universe comics is they're going to ask you to redraw stuff from yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so that's why when i emailed him to say well i'm gonna have to draw this stuff i'm sure i also referenced like well i'll put it this way like when i wrote like a full script for one i'd say matt is looking down at this page from this issue oh, right and, okay. and this particular comic <laughs> and then i'd say and then we cut to a scene and in parentheses i'll say panel whatever from this comic Ah. You know, so that Scott knows exactly what it is that I want to draw, which I imagine is how the scripts are written for the artists, like in the reverse way, where they say, hey, Lawrence, you're going to have to look at this panel on this. Right, right. Right. Yeah. I mean, that was the best part of it. But the... This is the comic I'm most proud of, of any of the comics I've ever done for anything. And the reaction. So now imagine me like sending it in. Mm -hmm. I finished. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to fucking send this email. <laughs> I'm not going to cry if they hate it. Aww. I did the 1,500-word write-up, too. Oh, wow. wow. As a backup, yeah. Yeah, that's never seen the light of day. <laughs> <laughs> but, Why? Because but, this is so good. Yeah. Well, so then I sent this in, and I was I just did that in case they didn't want to do this one, right? Yeah. Maybe they go with that. So. You know, I'm just sitting there like first thing in the morning, I guess it was like 6 a.m. I sent it off and I was like, I'm just going to forget about it for the day. But like an hour later, I had a reply. Mm. And I was like, oh, they really hate it, you know. <laughs> and he said, Matt, I love this. Mike loves this. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'll give you more later. Wow. And, and I was like, nice. I don't know what you mean by give me more, but who cares? That is the best <laughs> well, first of all, the reply that, I could have hoped for. Yeah, the fact that he got you back to you so quickly, like, because he, he understands, like, you don't want to be left hanging. He's like, look, I'm not going to leave you hanging. I love it. Mike loves it. 
you know, I'll give you more details later, but just wanted to touch base with you and yeah, say, hey, that's awesome. you don't have to be thinking that we hate it, we love it, and then we'll, you know what I mean? I love that. That's so courteous. That's so great. Well, and you said you're sitting off at 6 in the morning, and they're in um, Pacific time. So that Portland. Means, yeah, yeah, so that means they saw it and answered you at 6 in the morning. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's insane. Yeah. That's yeah. nice. That's really cool. It's like I've been reading Mike Manola comics since I was – in like sixth grade and here i am in my 30s and he said he loved comic i did using his characters like that's amazing doesn't get any better than that right it's amazing so anyway i went to work that day told everyone to fuck off (laughs) over and over and over again (laughs) walking very high (laughs) i got in a couple of fist fights it was awesome Really Donnie started Brooks. throwing my weight around. <laughs> That's great, man. That's awesome. Did Did you read this when it came out, Mark? So this was one where um, I think I read it shortly after it came out because um, I read the PDF Dark Horse sent me to review, and it didn't have this in it. It didn't have Hell Notes or uh, sorry the uh, Hell Mail or anything. And so I had definitely have read this before, but I think it may have been like a month or two afterwards. Mm. I'm I'm really impressed with how you're able to like condense it down. So very quickly. I mean, like, you, what you cover in a page and a half, I did a Hell Notes, and I covered that same amount of material in 3,000 words. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's illustration goes a long way. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. And just the, like, I love that, like, you, you know, you just show a, like, a part of a cover. Like, you know, there's one in um the, the fourth panel. Most of the uh, covers covered by a text box, but you can still immediately tell exactly which issue. Yes, yeah. <laughs> you are very, very faithful in recreating those. Yeah, and yeah, so, it's so wh- cool to hear you say that. Aww. You know, he Mark <laughs> brought it up in an interview with Lawrence Campbell. Was it Lawrence Campbell? Where um, he was, I think it was. Where he, one of you guys, brought it up, and then he was like, "Yeah, that was really cool." And I was like, oh, my uh, God, uh, he read it, too. <laughs> when I was also like a little kid, I wanted to be a daily comic strip cartoonist. Somebody asked me why. And I was like, well, think about it. Michael Jordan reads the comics. Aww. Bill Murray reads the comics. Yeah. The president reads the comics. Like, come on. You know, look at the exposure you get. Sure. And yeah. so just <laughs> to know that another Hellboy artist that I admire read it and liked it was so cool. Yeah. Super cool. Yeah. And what was the reception? I mean, was there fan feedback on it or in the hell mail? Did people respond to this? Like, what kind of feedback did you get from the other fans or the other letter hacks? Okay, so the coolest thing was when people wrote in, like, before End of Days wrapped, people were writing in about it. Oh, because it was in <laughs> issue one, yeah. Yeah. So the, I, I was, like, reading End of Days, just thinking, like, okay, I've had my time. Now I'm just back into being a huge fan. Yeah, And then you get to the letter column and they're talking about you. And I was like, all right, well, that's meta. Yeah. (laughs) The whole reason I wanted to be a prolific letter hack was to encourage more people to do it. And now they're doing it because literally because of me, which I thought was full circle. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That is so awesome. Well, it was like reviewed a couple of times. Wow. Like along with the comic. And I was like, you did not have to do that. No. <laughs> See, I wish I'd been able to do that. That's where I, I did get a little annoyed about the PDF that I got just because, like, I would have written about it. But anyway. Oh, so just yeah. knowing that is good enough. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
It's so cool to have both Matt Strackbine and Mark Tweedell here to talk to each other. I was just gonna say to us about this. I was just gonna say you guys, you damn guys. All right. Well, we finally got to it. I'm so glad. Yay. It's been a long time coming to be able to talk about this story that Matt did, and I'm so glad we we're able to cover it at the end of our end of days discussion. It's been so awesome having both of y'all on the show. I hope that we can do this again. We had a couple of technical difficulties, but for yeah. the most part, I thought it was a lot of fun. Thank you guys so much. Oh yeah. It was so much yeah, fun having lot you guys. Yeah. We're banking some episodes right now, so actually we're going to be taking two weeks off of the podcast, but you won't even know it because you're going to be getting an episode every single week. But that's why there's no reader-listener feedback, so back to you, John. Yeah. We might have to actually do – I'm thinking right now we might have to do a all-listener feedback yeah. maybe when we come back. because we're fun. Gonna, I think yeah. we're going to have a lot of feedback on the two Johan stories that we read and then the end-of-days discussion and Kill the Black Flame. So – we may come back and do an all-listener feedback. Oops, all friendship episode. Yes, all friendship episode. And then after that, we will go on to our next BPRD story. So again, thank you guys so much. This has been an amazing episode. This has been an amazing double episode to have both of you all on. I really appreciate all your time and friendship. Mm-hmm. And now Aubrey's going to say all the things. All right, everybody, share us your thoughts on End of Days and Kill the Black Flame. You can send us a hey, you damn guys at hellboybookclub at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook at Hellboy Book Club Podcast and on Instagram and Twitter at Hellboy Book Club. You can also find the Discord link, the reading order, Adam Hicks Chronology, and Ryan Yule's amazing art all on our Facebook About section. Always a special thanks to Paul from Garchahan for the lovely music. Thank you, Mark, for being here, and Matt also, and for the reading order, and John for all the editing that he mentioned some technical difficulties, but you won't know anything about it. Yeah. yeah, you won't hear that. Uh, you can find the podcast on Spotify, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast from. Next week, we are probably going to do listener feedback, but if we don't, we are going to be reading BPRD Hell on Earth, Cometh the hour, part one. So you know what to do: pull out them back issues, pull out them trades, go to the library, get an omnibus, get a digital, and join us next week on the Hellboy Book Club podcast. Thanks a lot for listening, everybody. I'm John Salinas. I'm the Network of Eternity. <laughs> I'm Matt Strackbine. I'm Mark Tweedell, and I'm Aubrey Lovelace saying, "Kill, Kill the, the Black Flame." Many days you have
Good night, ladies and gentlemen. Good night.